Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Thanks, Aurelie. It's uh, six minutes past 12. This is Midday Live on SAFM, South Africa's news and uh, information leader, the chairperson of the Kimberley Process, Weli Lintapo, together with uh, the Minister of uh, Minerals, Susan Shabangu, and uh, other stakeholders are currently briefing the media on the outcomes of uh, the four-day Kimberley Process conference in Kimberley. We'll be looking at that, but also looking at uh, talking to the Deputy Chair uh, of uh, the Kimberley Process, which is China. So we speak to Liang Wenzheng from China to really get a sense of what is it that China will do when they take over the chairmanship of uh, the Kimberley process. The Democratic Alliance has announced that it will contribute 1 million rand to the opposition to Urban Tolling Alliance, Outer, in their bid to fight e-tolls on Gauteng's highway. Earlier this week, Outer said it did not have enough money to contribute or rather to continue with the court action to get uh, the trolling system scrapped. Outer has appealed to Gauteng motorists to donate money so uh, the case can be heard in the Supreme Court of Appeal. Now, what do you make of this, the DA contribution of a million rand? Should Alta take this money? Are they getting themselves entangled uh, in uh, the, the politics here in South Africa? Will it lessen the value of their cause, uh, particularly for those who are not DA supporters? But does it really matter where the money comes from? So those are just some of uh, uh, really the... Your comments, really, on, on that one. Welcome your comments. Uh, what do you make of, of this? Uh, should we politicize this? Should Outer take this money? Uh, we are on uh, 34701. Otherwise, you can uh, tweet us at SAFM Midday Live. Send us an email, middaylive at sabc.co.za, at Kuala B News, or Kuala B at sabc.co.za. So many ways to get in touch with us. Let's go to Mpumalanga now for our top story. Residents from communities under the Chief Albert Lutuli local municipality have embarked on a protest march. The residents are accusing the municipality officials of nepotism, corruption and failing to deliver services such as water and sanitation. More than 2,000 residents from 27 wards have taken to the streets. Let's talk now to our reporter there. Mchobi Simkalipi, good afternoon to you. Afternoon to you and the listeners. We understand again the, the residents are regrouping right now. What can you tell us? What you can say that is the marchers are now moving to the municipal offices where they will hand over their memorandum. What is happening is that the businesses affected by the marchers, some of the shops uh, were forced to close and uh, some of the street vendors were forced to move their staff from the street. And the movement of motorists have been also affected by the marchers as uh, they are using the main street uh, to, 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 to the municipality. What are the issues? The residents are accusing the, some of the municipal officials of being corrupt, of uh, nepotism, and some are saying they are failing to, to, to uh, provide them adequate water. Uh, that is why that they are marching today. But you remember that the National uh, Council of Frontiers, uh, NCOP, was here to interact with the community members on issues that are affecting them, uh, including uh, Minister Edmund Mulewa, who assured the residents that the water uh, is fit for human consumption after the water was contaminated. But some of the residents are seeming uh, not happy with that. They are, saying they are still maintaining that the water is not clean. Uh, for women consumption. All right. So, so what is the main issue with uh, with the water situation? Is it uh, the cleanliness uh, of water for human consumption, or is it the shortage of water? Period. Some of the, some of them is uh, these are uh, community uh, different communities under the Albert Lutuli municipality. Some of them are saying they are not being provided uh, with adequate water. Some are saying the water that was contaminated is still uh, not clean and other issues of nepotism and uh, 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 corruption among the municipality. They are saying that's why they are marching today. And uh, uh, municipality officials, what's been their reaction to this? We haven't yet uh, spoken to the municipal officials. What you can say is that uh, the, the municipality is closed now, but we are seeing some of the officials out there. We are hoping that they will be able to, to talk to us and tell us exactly uh, or respond to the issues that are raised by the community members. Thank you very much. I'm Toby Simkalipi, our reporter in Bumalanga at the Chief Albert Lutuli local municipality as we hear of residents marching there. It's uh, 10 minutes now past 12. It's a uh, midday live on SAFM 104 to 107. Midday live on SAFM 104 to 107. 
Our top story this hour, ANC Chief Whip Matole Motsecha says land reform should not be seen as a move to persecute any section of the South African population. Looking at the markets this hour, gold is trading at $1,410, 12 cents an ounce, platinum at $1,534.85 an ounce. The rand is trading at 9 rand 27 or make it 97. It's 9 rand 97 against the U.S. dollar at 15 rand 52 cents to the pound and 13 rand 19 cents to the euro. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Dismissed workers at the extractor's steel port mine in Limpopo say they are afraid that they will no longer be able to provide for their families as they have been fired. About 2,000 workers who are members of labor union AMCO downed tools two weeks ago over allegations of racial bias by management. The management dismissed them after they refused to appeal dismissal. Our reporter witness Tiba went to Steelport and sent us this report. The workers continue to picket at their gathering point near the mine offices, demanding that management engages their labor union arm crew. They were dismissed after they refused to make individual appeals for their dismissal. Their dismissal came after they embarked on an unprotected strike. Reality has now hit home for many of the employees who have lost their jobs due to the illegal action. 56-year-old Jeremiah Chaukwe from Mampur village is a breadwinner at home. He is worried that he will have nothing to take home come month end. I, I've started here 2006. Yeah, this situation is going to affect um, my family. That's because uh, I got eight children at home. Those who must get support from me, those who are at school, they must get everything from me. But now, I think we are gonna we are gonna suffer just because of this situation, of because they they've already dismissed us. Chokwe says he could not appeal to get his job back because he was fearing for his safety. I, I can be victimized by the, 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 uh, the, our colleagues here. Just because if I go alone inside there, I can do appeal. But at the end of the day, I will never get somebody goes to or, 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 or be my security at my home. The employer stays so far, even our, our securities stay so far. In order to save my life, I must never appeal when I'm alone. Allegations of intimidation and assault by the dismissed workers have now emerged at the nearby village where the workers are staying. An employee who wanted to remain anonymous told the ACBC that he was assaulted last night for participating in the strike. AMCO branch secretary Zeb Mavilu says they urged their members not to engage in violence. The, the things that are obviously okay in the night or in the dark elsewhere uh, have criminal elements and as such uh, we, we will not really say it, were, it was done or con- committed by AMCO members. However, we will, as, as this is a member of the union, we will we'll engage with our members and conscientize them about uh, self-discipline even if they are away from the strike because the things that happen outside will always be linked with the strike. Meanwhile, the mine spokesperson Chris Tatsawani says the management will meet early next week to decide whether to recruit new people or to engage further with AMKUM. I am witness Eva SABC News, Steelport. It's uh, 15 minutes past 12 right here on uh, Midday Live on SFM. South Africa's news and information leader, the DA, saying that they will donate a million rand to Outer. Uh, and what do you make of this? And uh, a couple of SMSs coming through. How many donations uh, do the ANC receive? It actually hasn't anything to do with anyone. That's Roland there. And uh, Benson says, I just heard uh, the mine worker on the news uh, say that he has eight children. How can a person be so careless with his sex organ when then when uh, he struggles? He expects the government to help him. That's uh, Benson there. And uh, Mervyn says, uh, will Kosatu puff out 
uh, money to support Alta against Etols, or do they just, or are they just barking? That's a uh, uh, Mervin there. And this one coming through from uh, Don in Cape Town. It's worth noting that uh, the corrupt Sunral takes uh, taxpayers' hard-earned money, fight the, the citizens, and Alta relies on donations. Thank you, DA. Great move by the DA. They will have my vote there, says uh, Don in Cape Town. Mkwati um, in Nelspreit says, go on, DA, represent our interest as uh, taken for granted motorist there, uh, saying that uh, this is a growing colors uh, by uh, the uh, by the day. And the final one coming through from Brian saying that I don't think it matters as long as the contribution is based on principle. Why Kosato not contributing? Hence, it's uh, very vocal in this uh, regard. Another one saying that uh, can SAFM bring Banyaza Lisufi on air to tell us about the, uh, the textbook saga in Limpopo, Richie in Free State? Let's do just that. Uh, talk uh, matters education in Limpopo. Learners at schools in Limpopo commenced their mid-year examination this morning. MEC for Education in Limpopo, uh, Namane Masimula, says uh, schools have been paid their norms and standards funds just yesterday. Media exams were supposed to have started on Monday. Shibu Mamukhera filed this report for us. Despite assurances from education authorities, some schools experienced challenges. Last-minute preparations resulted in delays, particularly in rural areas where schools are under-resourced. Grade 10 and 11 learners at Maserole High School in Muleji had to wait for at least an hour before sitting for their exams. They were supposed to write an economics paper at 9.30, but there were delays in making copies of the question papers. The school did not receive a master copy for the subject from the education department. One of the teachers says they borrowed the master copy from a nearby school. Some of the learners had this to say. We were supposed to write economics at half past nine, so we didn't start writing. I don't know what is happening because we are ready to write, but we didn't receive the question papers now. I don't understand what is going on because we are supposed to be writing economics right now. So the other learners are right, are not now are writing, but we are still standing right here and then we don't know what is happening. The Professional Educators Union in the province says there have been no reports of schools that failed to start with the exams. However, the union's provincial spokesperson, Klaas Motladrole, says schools only received half of the funds due to them. Schools reported to us and our educators that the money has been deposited into their accounts. Although it was not as promised, they deposited 50% instead of the promised 100%. Mutatrole adds that the postponement of the exams will undoubtedly impact on the marking process. That we can foresee it will be a disaster. Schools are closing on the 21st and we, we believe with a short period remaining, Teachers will not be able to mark the, the scripts in time and make sure that learners have progress reports when the schools are closing on the 21st. The spokesperson for the Professional Educators Union in Limpopo, Class Motsatsole, ending that report by Shibu Mamukere in Bulugwane. This June, Classic Field magazine has everything you require from South Africa's number one arts, culture and lifestyle magazine. Are you headed to the National Arts Festival? Then this issue is essential reading for you. Read exclusive features on the latest in music, visual art, theatre, cinema and literature. Get the June issue of Classic Field magazine, available now at selected newsagents and bookshops. Find out more at www.classicfield.co.za. The Standard Bank Jazz Festival kicks off in Grahamstown on the 27th of June. SAFM is proud once again to be the official radio partner. Join us for 10 days of amazing jazz and blues, featuring Mikasa, Esavan Naidu, and dozens more local and international jazz superstars. Also featuring the 2013 Young Artist Award winner for jazz, Shane Cooper. SAFM will be there to bring you some amazing performances and keep you in the loop with all the backstage action. But there's nothing quite like being there, so book now at CompuTicket and head to Grahamstown for the Standard Bank Jazz Festival. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. 
Local Government and Traditional Affairs Minister Richard Baloi says there is a need for a safer, healthier and more sustainable practice of doing circumcision uh, to save young people's life. We'll be talking to our reporter uh, Tabile Mapanga about that because there is a one-day indaba currently underway to discuss issues of initiation schools and, of course, deaths at uh, initiation schools. And I'll be reading your SMSs uh, right here on uh, Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. NC Chief Whip Matole Motsecha says land reform should not be seen as a move to persecute any section of the South African population. Motsecha was giving his opening address during the two-day workshop on the 1913 Natives Land Act and land reform. There are also proposed policy from the Department of Rural Development and Land Reform to prohibit foreign nationals uh, from owning South African land, as Mr. Dispercent reports. All right, we'll come back to that particular story. Too little, too late. Uh, that is uh, the question Kenyans are asking after 5,228 Mau Mau veterans agreed to an apology and out-of-court settlement for atrocities meted out or meted on them during Kenya's fight for independence. The Secretary General of Mau Mau War Veterans Association says the compensation of close to 33,000 rand per claimant is uh, sufficient and that the process of reconciliation with uh, the British government starts now. The British government government, on the other hand, says it regrets the torture that uh, the old men and women underwent, but it does not accept liability. Sarah Kimani reports. The mood of the Hilton Hotel in Nairobi, Kenya, was celebratory. The grey-haired men and women, some walking with the support of walking sticks, others their great-grandchildren, danced or nodded their heads to a common victory song among their ranks. The British High Commissioner to Kenya, Christian Turner, then made the announcement, regret and a settlement. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. The British government sincerely regrets that these abuses took place and that they marred Kenya's progress towards independence. Torture and ill-treatment are violations of human dignity which we unreservedly condemn. In October 2009, claims were first brought to the High Court by five individuals who were detained during the emergency period regarding their treatment in detention. The agreement includes payment of a settlement sum in respect of 5,228 claimants as well as a gross cost sum to the total value of £19.9 million of sterling which is about 2.6 billion Kenyan shillings. The government will also support the construction of a memorial in Nairobi to the victims of torture and ill-treatment during the colonial era. The memorial will stand alongside others that are already being established in Kenya. And today I am making this public statement to you, members of the Mau Mau War Veterans Association in Kenya, explaining the details of this settlement and expressing our regret for the events of the emergency period. Quick calculation, that is about 33,000 rands, 330,000 Kenya shillings per claimant. Many outside of this gathering, especially on social media, thought it was too little, too late. Not the old people here, as Geto Akahengeri, their leader, explained. For avoidance of doubt, the Mau Mau War Veterans Association members concerned with the claim in, the, in, in, in England have accepted the offers, offers by, offered by the British government out of court. We appreciate and that, thank the British government for the reasonableness by which they reached the agreement. An explanation that their local lawyers, the Kenya Human Rights Commission, agrees. Atsango Chesoni is the KHRC Executive Director. We note that today's victory only marks one step in the journey for justice, for the wrongs that were suffered during the fight for Kenya's independence, as well as providing a real opportunity for meaningful acknowledgement of the heroic role of the Mau Mau in the struggle for our independence.
The British government regretted the atrocities, but only just. We continue to deny liability on behalf of the government and British taxpayers today for the actions of the colonial administration respect the claims. We sought an explanation from Turner, the High Commissioner, to Kenya. Uh, the court did not find that the British government has, uh, has liability, but in spite of that, um, there is today this uh, deep expression of regret and uh, the acknowledgement of the wrongs that were committed under the colonial administration uh, in our name uh, in this period. So what next for Kenya's freedom fighters? Whilst it is commendable that the British have taken responsibility for the way they treated Kenyans during the emergency, we will now be turning our full focus and attention to the Kenyan government and demand that it must also take full responsibility for its left and stellar treatment of the Mau Mau liberation heroes since Kenya became independent. We say so because many of the Mau Mau veterans have long-standing issues around land that must be resolved. Most continue to live in conditions of abject poverty and squalor despite their gallant contribution to Kenya's Uhuru. We therefore hope that in the same way that it has been possible to have these, these, this, this dialogue with the British government, we will also be seeing similar action occurring from the Kenyan government. The battle has just begun. <laughs> Sarah Kimani, SBC News, Kenya. It's a fantastic piece there coming from Kenya. 26 minutes past 12, this is Midday Live. This is SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Northwest Deputy Police Commissioner William Pembe has taken the stand at the Americana Commission of Inquiry in Centurion. He was introduced as a witness for the police by the representative of uh, the SAPS, Advocate Vuyani Ngalwana. Police officers allegedly threatened to kill Mbembe following the murders of two of their colleagues during the unrest at Lonmen. The killings took place days uh, before the 34 mine workers were shot and killed by the police. For more on this now, we joined on the line by our reporters, Puem Kiza. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Bongi. And uh, police officer Mpembe, uh, police commissioner, that is, introduced as uh, one of uh, the witnesses by the police. Just talk us through what has happened so far in his uh, testimony. Well, Mbemba has, as he, it's his first day today at the commission, and he's, he's recalled a few, a few, uh, scenes that happened, uh, from the 11th of August, uh, on a Saturday last year, at about 9 o'clock, where he was on leave and he received a, uh, an SMS from a brigadier Engelbrecht, uh, who is the provincial head, uh, at, at Northwest Provincial, uh, Northwest Province. That was regarding the uh, the um, the march by the employees at 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 Marigana, and according to Engelbrecht and the, the SMS that he got was that the situation was very tense and the people were not happy and they and they were they were asking Mbembe to come in as a negotiator because they thought that he would he would be very good in that and and yes when he went today to speak to the or, or to speak to the um, to their to their minors, that that was uh, two days after because before that they had uh, several meetings with his uh, with other officials, and on on Monday on the 13th of August at about uh, in the morning at, at around eight o'clock, they attended a joint operation uh, center um, operation center that was established at Lonely, at Lonely Mine, and he said that uh, they were shown a, a CCTV a camera there at London of the marchers who were very angry. There were about 2,000. And those marchers were, were demanding that um, London management come and address them. At some point when they were on their way, they, they also went around with, uh, with the police officials. They, they, they passed some, some marchers who were speaking in Zulu and who were very, very angry, and they demanded uh, to him that they wanted to see uh, what they said, umlungu, meaning uh, the employer. They were speaking in Falaka, in Fanakalo to him, and he said that he he, he did it in, in many many times uh, managed to 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 calm them. But at some point they were very agitated. Where after some time they started to 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 become to to. To 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 gang their nokiris and their pangas and spears, and then that noise. Um, to him, it means that they were preparing for, for war. So he, he started to negotiate with them, but they were surprised at some point because two of his colleagues 
were slaughtered there in front of them. That was uh, some days before the, the 34 and minus died. Thank you very much, SPUM Kize, our reporter covering the uh, Marikana Commission of Inquiry sitting in uh, Centurion and today Northwest uh, Deputy Police Commissioner William Bembe uh, took to the stand. I'll be reading your SMSs. Maybe let me just read you okay. quickly. Uh, kids in Limpopo cannot get to Glenshield School. Government has stopped funds for the bus. Where is Angie? That's uh, Francis asking that question. Uh, Bongi, you see, if it only happens in township school, these uh, mishaps, no model C schools, uh, talking of course about uh, education there. Uh, I'll probably vote NC. It doesn't make sense uh, to me from Trevor Nguane talking of course about uh, this donation and uh, this one says, my union SASBO, which is affiliated to COSATU, has contributed to OUTA. That's Mohale at Khabane. It's 12.30 now and we say once again good afternoon to Aureli with uh, the news headlines. Thank you very much. Uh, let's say good afternoon now to Nancy Richards. What's coming up for your Friday edition of Otherwise? Okay, well, we've got some interesting things, uh, hopefully. Going to be talking to a young communications agency owner who's off to Italy for a mentoring program. And she's also going to talk about her Living Life with a Purpose youth conference that she's uh, got planned. We'll be hearing too from two young activists who are taking part in the Activate Change Drivers Exchange Forum. That's happening next week. And in our, what will this youth month be organizing, the organizations, the centers concentrating specifically on young women, we'll be talking to a British woman who shares 10 pearls of wisdom for young girls everywhere. So, should be interesting. Thanks very much. It's coming up on Otherwise right after the news at 1. Thanks, Thank you very much, Nancy. Looking forward to that. And uh, Natalie, South Africa will look at this particular match right now and say maybe we should have started like uh, the Windies. I mean, the run rate is uh, just over two and uh, three wickets down. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Thank you very much, Nasla Jimenez, and uh, I'll give you the score 34-4-3, uh, Pakistan, of course, uh, they are betting against the West Indies, and the run rate really just about 2.4, that is very interesting, South Africa will really look back and say maybe this is how we should have played our game, but uh, it was very close, I must tell you, India making about 330 something, and South Africa making around about 200, or make it 300 thereabout. So it wasn't um, a long shot, really. They could have won that match. All right, uh, let's uh, talk uh, metals, uh, precious metals right now. Diamonds. The chairperson of the Kimberley process, Willie Lentlapo, together with the Minister of uh, Minerals, Susan Shabangu, and uh, uh, stakeholders there are briefing the media on the outcomes of uh, a four-day Kimberley process conference. Governments, civil society, and diamond company executives have been meeting behind closed doors for the past two days to discuss weaknesses and challenges facing the Kimberley process. Let's uh, talk now to Dr. Ola Bello from uh, the SA Institution of International Affairs. Uh, Dr. Bello, we tried to talk to you on Tuesday. Let's hope the line uh, is clear today. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on the show. Much, much better. What do you make of uh, the Kimberley process? What should we understand of the Kimberley process? It's been 10 years, and uh, yet so little is known about uh, this very important uh, convention. I think the most Another thing to say about what the Kimberley process represents um, is that it's essentially an initiative um, which brings together a tripartite um, of actors, um, the state members, um, the industry, and um, that's the corporate sector, and diamond um, miners and um, sellers, and also um, the third element, which is the civil society and organizations involved in this process. Um, to involve in body dialogue as well as um, um, the certification process um, whereby they can um, certify diamonds that have been mined and sold on the global market to prevent the entry of conflict diamonds into the global supply chain. Um, it's a process that's uh, come a long way, 10 years now, South Africa now the chairman again. It's not always been perfect. I think if it's... Uh, if the will exists to reform the framework, it's one that can play a very significant um, role in ensuring greater transparency in the African extractive sector and ensuring that both society, government, um, and also the private sector um, all derive maximum benefit um, mm. from, from the production and um, exploitation of, of Africa's natural resources, including minerals like diamonds. 
I'm glad you're mentioning that last bit of uh, of what you're telling us now, Dr. Bello, because, for instance, if uh, uh, the movie Blood Diamond is anything to go by, the certification, certification process then uh, has a lot of loopholes. Yeah, there are. It's obviously one that's riddled with a lot of loophole um, in many contexts. The conflict, um, you know, that are ongoing around Diamond, like diamonds um, themselves seem to have been with us forever. You can mention the example of so many countries, um, including conflicts in part of um, the Congo, the Central African Republic, where arguably we can say um, the government of um, Francois Bossize has eventually been toppled as a result of an agreement, um, an agreement on government of national unity that essentially created two mining ministry, um, where Bossize's government was um, effectively in control of some part of the um, some diamond um, um, and mining in the Central African Republic, and some other diamond mine being controlled by the rebels. Ultimately, the agreement proved unworkable because um, what the rebels do to benefit from the illegal exploitation of diamond was find access of whatever they could have benefited being in government. So it's very it's quite um, pro- problematic from that sense. And um, some people talk about the Kimberley process as a techni- technocratic certification process, one has to acknowledge that um, as, as some of this reflection in Kimberley uh, um, over the last few days has shown, it's a deeply political process um, with some of the um, issues around resource exploitation, diamond specifically in this case, being intricately connected um, to some of the difficult political questions in many of these diamond producing countries, and many of these are yet to be worked through. We hope this framework can play a much more proactive role and in helping to ensure that diamonds being sold on the global market are indeed those that are not um, being produced um, in context where human rights have been violated and uh, bringing misery to local people um, as opposed to um, helping to create jobs and uh, bringing shared prosperity to society. Now, let's look at the Kimberley process itself. Has it been effective? Has it been working? Has it lived up to, to what it was set out to do? Well, um, very simply, um, you cannot go from zero to everything. You have to go from one point to the other. Um, it's a much, much different situation we're facing up to now than the one we had 10 years ago when the certification scheme started. Um, so um, some figures have been banded around. And back in the days, you had double digits. Um, figures in terms of the percentage of globally traded diamonds that could be classified as conflict diamonds. Today, that's definitely in the single digits, whether it's 2%, as some people say, or even 9%. Some people say the truth of the matter is we've come a long way. So it obviously plays a key role in, 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 in helping to ensure um, that um, diamonds being comes uh, in mind um, in, in conflict riddled context um, are not being freely sold um, on the global market in a way that helps to finance um, interminable war and um, rebellion and government being overthrown. Having said that, it's a framework that um, that's not still not perfect. Um, some of the discussions in Kimberley over the last few days have looked down critically at this question. These are questions that are difficult to resolve. Mm. But as I said, I hope the will can be found um, to come to some sort of workable agreement on a way forward. Fundamentally, a number of things have to be taken into consideration. The most important um, of these steps that need to be taken is that we need to be much more clearer about what constitutes conflict diamond. I think where we now are, uh, since, the, um, since the polemics over the certification of diamond coming out of um, Zimbabwe's Marangi diamond mining field, is that even government can be complicit um, in right violations um, in a way that would not qualify diamonds to be certified as being um, conflict-free. So the Kimberley process has to engage centrally with this question of how do you define conflict diamond? If indeed um, some government um, can be um, held accountable um, for um, for people in um, in diamond mining areas being subjected to gross violation of their rights and all of that, then we ought to be dealing with that. So the definition of question, we must engage with that um, headline. Okay. I think the second thing that needs to take place, um, it would be useful if the um, framework itself thinks about establishing a secretariat so that um, while South Africa has the presidency this year, 
Um, analysts have said for so long that there is no continuity between the work of the presidencies. Mm. And I think if there is a secretariat and all the um, accompanying capacity to research, to engage with the other stakeholders, I okay. think it will be a much more solid framework going forward. These are our questions we need to look into um, I, very carefully. I really hope that uh, the, the, the conference looked at the, uh, some of these issues. Thank you very much, Dr. Olabella, for a wonderful insight into this uh, Kimberley process. It's been a closed meeting, really, for the past two days. Very little from information coming out of, uh, of uh, that. I'll be reading your SMSs shortly. Just uh, bear with me. Let's talk to a very interesting uh, gentleman who's been uh, around in the music circles for a very long time, was based in the U.S. for very many years, came back home uh, to help uh, young people understand uh, this uh, music, our music. This morning, the University of Cape Town awarded 81 doctoral degrees in recognition of research on leading health, economic, political, and cultural issues. Among the recipients are two of uh, South Africa's legends in the arts and culture, Kefa Semenya and Letambulu, as uh, they received honorary doctorates from the university in recognition uh, of their contribution to the music and democracy. On the line right now, we're joined by Dr. Kefa Semenya. Shall I say hello, sir? It sounds funny. <laughs> <laughs> it did that's that. a guy for me. I was just telling my colleagues right now, I can hardly inject a fly with <laughs> a penicillin. <laughs> but it's a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah, it is a good feeling. It really is a good feeling, especially when uh, your own people think that uh, you are fit to be honored in this way. It really feels great. Mm. But uh, when you look back uh, uh, at what you have achieved, yourself and your wonderful wife, over the past decades, do you, what do you make of it? And, uh, and, and then in, in, in conjunction with what you've just received today? Well, you see, that's why, you know, I, I say that I'm really humbled and we feel very blessed that, um, you know, uh, a university like Cape Town, can actually um, recognize the humble contribution that we have made to South African music. And, and the fact that, you know, it is your own university in your own country that does this for you, it really makes you feel good, humbled and also blessed. Indeed, but uh, you deserve it. Well, I, I guess so. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, when you, when, whatever you do, you are not away. You cannot say, I'm great, I'm doing this. It's the people out there who will say, we think what you're doing is really wonderful. Mm. And it also encourages you, you know, it's, it's, to, to me, and for later, I know that I speak on her behalf also, is that it encourages us to go on, you know, uh, sharing our creativity with young people and those people who are interested to know the road that we've, you know, we've traveled all these years. Mm. Does it trouble you or excite you that, uh, you know, you, when, when one talks of KFAS, there is no KFAS without letter. And uh, I know that uh, lately you, you're trying to separate to say we are two different entities. Even when people book you, they want a letter and KFAS, but uh, they pay for one. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but you know what, I've, I've, I've reconciled myself to that, because, um, and I look at this, uh, especially with my own parents, you know, I remember people who, who would say, coming to, to our home, they didn't go, they would say, they would say, they would say, and when I was a young person, I didn't understand because you know, as a, as a boy, sometimes you're 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 socialized to think that men, 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 men. But when you heard people say they have masculinity, even men and women, then you said that my mother is very important to you. <laughs> you know, it's very very important. And of course, besides she being your mother, I mean, she raised you and she gave you all the love. But when you understood socially what uh, what her stature was, it makes you really feel good, and that's why 
I'm with my wife, and uh, and we really dig each other. Uh, okay, but we're going to have to edit here I'm so sorry, but it's such a wonderful interview Thank you very much And congratulations to yourself and your wonderful wife For uh, being uh, awarded uh, doctoral degrees Thank you very much And thanks to the listeners And all South Africans Who really care for us Thank you Alright, there you have it, Kefa Semenya He's a doctor, by the way, right now Do you know that? I'm so impressed. That's so cool. <laughs> All right. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a big fan, actually. All right. We'll chat some more about that. Uh, Clinton Smith of uh, Southwind Security Portfolio Manager there. It's Friday today. And uh, how is the JSC looking uh, to the end of uh, the week, uh, Clinton? Uh, well, the market is trading more or less flat today, um, and with some speculation recently around the U.S. Fed uh, stimulus program, the market does look a little timid ahead of the uh, the payrolls figures out in the U.S. this afternoon. Uh, at the moment, we've got uh, the gold board up 0.2 of a percent, resources down 0.1 percent, uh, industrials up 0.4 percent, and financials up 0.4 percent. Uh, overall, the market's up just 82 points at the moment, 0.3 of a percent higher, at uh, 40,465. And uh, any corporate news today? I see Annuity Properties uh, had some results today. Yes, uh, Annuity K, which, uh, which only listed on the JSE about a year ago, has come out with their results for the full year at the end of March. Uh, they reported a 148% increase uh, in the size of their portfolio after raising uh, 961 million rands worth of equity. And uh, Annuity have declared a distribution there of 40.9 cents a share. Uh, they're currently uh, currently trading unchanged at uh, five rand sixty-five. Any big movers today? Uh, certainly, on the upside today, we've got African Bank up three point nine percent, trading eighteen rand twenty. Uh, Telcoms up two point two percent, fifteen rand forty-one. Uh, Brates up one point nine percent today, at thirty-nine rand twenty-one. And Nedbank's up one point eight percent, at one hundred and seventy-four rand. Uh, trading lower today, uh, Invicta down 2.9%, 92 Rand 65. Uh, Nampax down 2.7% at 32.20. Uh, MMI is down 2.6% at uh, 22 Rand 20. Uh, excuse me, Nampax at 32 Rand 22. And, uh, and lastly, we've got Netcare down 2.5% at 23 Rand 20. And your latest market indicators? Uh, gold, uh, gold's trading at $1,412 an ounce. Uh, platinum's up at $1,537. Uh, Brent crude is currently $103.76 a barrel. Uh, the yield on the R157 is uh, all the way up to 6.09% now. And uh, finally, on the rand, we're trading at uh, 10 rand to the dollar exactly, uh, 13 rand 25 cents to the euro, and 15 rand 57 cents to the pound. And that's it from me, Bonky. Enjoy your weekend, uh, Clinton Smith of Sasfin Securities. Uh, let's uh, go through uh, quickly some of uh, the SMSs as we'll be talking to Janet right now. Uh, Joe in Peter Marisbeth says, so the British court ruled that uh, the British government was uh, not liable for Mau Mau torture but didn't uh, colonialism benefit even the current British people. That's Joe in Peter Marisbeth. This one is unsigned. We, Shonas from Zimbabwe, need our kingdom land at Mapungubwe, South Africa, back, which was stolen from us and our forefathers were forced to relocate uh, in Zim. Give our land back. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Janet Whitten, SABC Deputy Sport Editor. Hello. Hello. Right. If South Africa started like the OHEAD, South Africa started like this, we would have won that game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at, look at Wendy's. They've restricted uh, uh, they Pakistan they to 2.6 run. runs. Per, uh, runs per over. Yes, yeah, they, they were the, running uh, with it. The, the, the thing's gone off the screen now. 44 for 3 in the 17th over, which is pretty good going um, for the West Indies at the moment. So, yes, they're looking pretty good. And this is the, this is, these are the other two teams in our group. So we have to play these two teams uh-huh. um, over the next week or so. So, um, it's going to be interesting, but it certainly looks as though the Windies have started well. But you know, the Windies are one of those teams as they can come in and bat like that too. So you just don't know what's going to happen. But, you don't know, all of but it can be awful too. Mm. 
It can I, be they, awful too. They know, they know for being awful. <laughs> yes. and, and our guys were very expensive yesterday. Our bowling was shocking. Um, we really missed Dale Stain, but I just think I just think we didn't. We we just gave gave India everything that they needed yesterday. So I think they're really going to have to go back to the drawing board. Um, you know, they just made it too easy mm. for India. We were outplayed in every department of the game yesterday. Um, and losing Stain, well, Stain, we lost. We we didn't have anywhere. And losing Morkel as well makes the problem even worse. Exactly. I didn't think we played that badly, though, uh, batting. I think we were almost there. We just need to have one or two tail-enders who can bat at least, you know. And avoid, and avoid run-outs? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That'll always We're help. talking about the cricket championship uh, underway. But let's talk about Bafana Bafana. They were stuck somewhere. They, they lost uh, the whole day's training yesterday. They've re- or oh, was it day before yesterday? They're playing in Ethiopia. They're playing CAR. They're playing in Cameroon, actually. Cameroon, yes, sorry. sorry Cam- yeah. in Cameroon. Um, yes, it's been, a, it's been a dreadful trip. It took them more than 24 hours to actually get there. And then when they got there, they couldn't train at the, at the, at the match venue because the grass was being cut, because Cameroon are going to be playing there as well. So, um, yes, it's all a bit crazy. But, you know what, I think what I, I get the impression just from hearing the interviews with Gordon Eggerson and um, Itumalin Kune, they were prepared for this. They knew that all sorts of shenanigans was going to go on and they're just getting on with it. So I'm hoping that their mindset is actually not upset by this. It's <laughs> going to be a tough game. We beat them in the first leg 2-0 but that was at home. So, I mean, don't underestimate just because we beat them last time and we're playing in Cameroon and mm. not in the Central African Republic. It's still going to be tough. Shenanigans even at the airport? <laughs> Oh, oh, the flights on. and everything <laughs> and crazy. And Do stuff. you know that there are 42? See this piece of paper in front of me? All yes. those names. 42 World Cup qualifiers taking place this weekend. All right, you want to highlight one or two? Brazil <laughs> yeah, is, is through. So. Yes, um, Argentina, yes, Argentina are playing against Colombia. That could be a good game. Czech Republic against Italy. Of course, the other, the other match in our group, Botswana, are playing Ethiopia. Uh, Sierra Leone against Tunisia could be a good game. Togo against Cameroon will also be a good game. All right, we've got four minutes to talk uh, rugby, uh, baby box, and uh, and of course the big ones, and we can talk the mouth-watering tennis French Open finals. Okay, Where do you want to start? Let's start with rugby quickly okay. because there's. A th- 15 international rugby matches taking place tomorrow. Two of them, of course, here. First, Scotland against Samoa. That's taking place. That's the curtain raiser at mm-hmm. Kings Park. Two, South Africa against Italy. To be honest, we can move through this quite quickly. Is it really going to be a match? Is it really going to be yeah. a contest? You know, Italy aren't a bad team anymore. They did okay in the Six Nations, but they're still no contest. We're too big up front. It's just it's it's not going to be an issue. But there's a lot of trial and error with us too, hey? It's not just given. Against Italy? I, I, I hope I'm, I hope I'm not proven wrong, but I think okay. it should be. Other big internationals: Argentina are playing England tomorrow. The United States are playing Ireland. New Zealand are playing France, and then the British Lions continue their tour in Australia. They're playing the Reds tomorrow. So there's some lots of ma- matches taking place tomorrow. Sunday is the continuation of the Junior Rugby World Cup. The yes. Baby Box. They had a big win against the USA in their first match. They play against England. Uh, another whole different ball <laughs> game there. Um, because you know what was disappointing? 97-0 they beat the United States. Mm-hmm. But there were 16 tries. Only six of those were converted. To throw That's away points kicking. like that, mm. you can't do that against a team like England. No, 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 no. Our kicking needs. But uh, these, these, young, these youngsters then will graduate to being the Springboks, hopefully. Yes, At hopefully least most will. of them. But I like how the Sevens are playing, too. I think we need to, because there's pace there. There's pace there, and I think it's going to be interesting with this World Cup that's coming up, because because Paul Trees brought in some experienced people, people like um, Ryan Kankowski, mm. who he mm. in announced this week. And I think it's an interesting balance, balance of sheer pace, rugby experience, and a little bit of all, everything else that goes with it. Okay, we've touched uh, on cricket now. Let's talk tennis. Take your time. A minute and a half, I give it to you. I'm so looking forward to it. Shut up over up against uh, Williams. That, that is great. Were you right. watching Serena yesterday? Oh, my word. That was probably as close to the perfect tennis match that I've ever seen. I mean, Sarah Ar- Sarah Rani, okay, is not the strongest player mm. in the world, but she's not as bad as she looked yesterday. 16 points. That's all Serena lost in yes. that entire match. I mean, she was absolutely unbelievable. And you know what impressed me about Serena in mm. that match? is not it, it wasn't the wham, hit it as hard as you can and see what you can do, Serena, that mm. we saw. She was playing within herself. She was much more controlled. She was playing much smarter tennis. It wasn't just power 
powerful tennis. Maria Sharapova is going to have to hope that Serena sleeps really badly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I see Mavu here is drooling over this. I was looking forward to uh, uh, um, Joel Fritz's song of playing in the final. I mean, really. I think it's about time a French won a French Open. That's the that's the second match today, and I mean it's quite funny. Everybody's talking about Djokovic versus Nadal, which starts in about five minutes' time. As you know, the final before the final. This is you know this is the current num- world number one against certainly the best clay court player in the world right now. But the French think that's just a curtain raiser. That's neither here nor there because the only match they care about is Songa against Ferrer. It'll be nice to see a Frenchman in the final. I'm a Ferrer fan actually. I think I, I I like the way he plays. He just never gives up, and he's been un- you know he's been overshadowed a little bit in this tournament. Look at his record so far. He hasn't dropped a set. He's winning without losing a lot of games in those sets either. He's going to be very difficult to beat. Well, thank you very much, Janet. We'll see you on Monday. We'll have a discussion about uh, box and Italy on Monday. I we will send you an email. We will definitely as do always, that. Oh, Monday yes, morning. that early morning email. I'm, I'm okay, waiting for six it. Six o'clock. <laughs> Create with Michelle Constant. Create is proudly presented by Business and Arts South Africa, bringing the business of the arts and the art of business together. Currently showing at the Baxter Theatre in Cape Town is the production Skirlik, which was awarded the Best Production Award at the 2013 Zabalaza Theatre Festival in March this year. It's the first time that a play from outside the Western Cape has won the award. The play is based on the shocking racial murders in the informal settlement of Skirlik, which made nationwide headlines in 2008. Winner, Philip de Kotler, is the writer and performer of the one-man production. Skirlik is a story of a young man called Thomas who left Skirlik after the Skirlik massacre shooting which happened in 2008. So this boy who has been staying in Skirlik moves to Johannesburg after the tragedy but has to go back to say his last goodbye before Skirlik could be demolished to take the spirits as to say in African tradition where you take the spirit of the deceased and you lead them to a place where they will be at peace because Skirlik will be demolished. So that's what takes him back home after he left for about four years. According to Dikotla, part of the Born Free Generation, writing the play has helped him come to grips and understand the country and many of the social ills and issues that it holds. I think the play helped me a lot in understanding the country that I stay in and understanding certain people's situations. It was the fear inflicted by what happened there. I mean, I'm a born free. I know nothing about apartheid. And to see such a thing, which I consider to be a racial shooting, it was disturbing to someone of my age. I felt like it's something that I needed to speak about, to share my opinion on it, to say, well, this is how I feel about this. And also, the way it was tackled about looking on the different side of the story, besides just looking at it on the other side, I started to see things differently. Because there's too many aspects that the play touches on anyway. In the way I've been seeing the whole situation of this kid, like there's a lot that I want them to take away. But I want them to get out of the play and look at themselves, look at the places where they come from, and ask themselves, well, are we going to allow ourselves to live in a country where we still have this kind of situations? Because this situation seems to be continuing. Every year we have a small township, a small place somewhere where something of this kind happens. I want them to look back at themselves and ask questions about this place that we stay in. The writer and performer says that he's inspired by ordinary people in small towns and he wants to use the arts as a vehicle to highlight these stories. I'm interested in ordinary people's stories, stories of nobodies of our country in small cities and small towns. You know, and so I think I cannot say I'll continue writing this kind of stories, but as long as they strike me, as long as they interest me, as long as they say, keep talking, I will do that. As long as there's a need for them, I'll continue doing that. As long as I see a role for them in society, I'll continue telling these kind of stories. The arts are supposed to play this kind of role, and my role as a writer of this play, I think I'm trying to fulfill what the arts are supposed to do in society. I will try to tell new stories of South Africa. We have seen authors that he has told stories of this generation with Jonathan and Winston and all of those, and now I think it's our time for new voices. It's about time we start telling new stories and make new classics for this country. Skillick will be running at the back the Theatre in Cape Town until the 15th of June, after which it will travel to the National Arts Festival in Grahamstown. I'm Michelle Constant. This feature was produced by Monique Stunder, and you can email me on create at barsa.co.za. Create, proudly brought to you by Business and Arts South Africa, creating new opportunities for business and partnerships. Email create at barsa.co.za.